0: Hi, it's Rob Moore here. I'm actually in the middle of uh, a live online coaching program, a six month online business coaching program. I'm live in the middle of it. I have slides right here and I'm actually tuning you in live. I thought I'd give you some bonus content. So this next deep dive could be 20, could be 30, could be 40 minutes is all about selling all things selling. Sales is the lifeblood of any business. You don't sell. You don't make any money. You hate selling. You can't run a business. I'm not going to be soft and fluffy about it. Um, I am going to get in your head a bit. Um, So let's go straight in with all things selling. So I believe there are three ways to increase sales. Um, And I think if we keep it this simple, it will help you enormously um, when you're growing your business and you're chaotic and confused and overwhelmed. So one uh, way to create more sales, number one, is to generate more leads. If you're already reasonable at selling, you don't need to necessarily spend, you know, hundreds of hours getting 5% better. If you had double the leads, you will be doing double the sales. If you got 5% better, you might only do 5% more sales. Um, so generating more leads is not selling directly, it's actually marketing. I'll talk about how marketing and sales um, relate and converge. Um, But sometimes you just need to generate more leads and then you'll sell more stuff. The second way uh, to dramatically increase sales is better conversion of sales. Um, And that's done one of two ways. And I'll talk to you about the third way in a moment. Um, So uh, the second way in terms of conversion is based on your selling ability. Are you good at selling? Are your online assets such as your website, your checkout pages, your landing pages, your sales pages, are your, st- your sales team, are your um, you know, online engines and apps, all the areas of, that have a conversion environment, your, um, the opt-in pages, um, your ability to sell when you're selling one-to-many maybe as a public speaker or on a webinar or doing podcasts or selling one-to-one in a consultative environment, are you increasing your selling ability? so many people um don't they just don't um like selling they don't embrace selling they don't improve their skills around selling they're not they're just not that good at selling Uh, and then the third way to increase sales is to improve your product, your service, your offer, the irresistible nature of your offer, the bespoke nature of your offer. Is it really what people want? Is it for the modern times? Does it solve a problem? Does it make people's lives easier, faster, better? Have you revolutionized it? Have you created a version two of it? So I would just like to ask you a question. Uh, And that is, um, and you you can just put a a comment below should you choose, Um, which area are you good at and which area do you think you should improve? Uh, Do you need to improve on generating more leads? Do you need to improve on your selling ability in the conversion environment of your online assets, your physical assets, and you and the sales team as an asset? Or could you improve your offer, your product, the, the nature of your offer, the bonuses, the irresistibility of it, the scarcity of it, the fear of missing out of it? Now, if you work on all three of those, you're going to dramatically increase your sales. You may be good at one or two, but not the third. You might think you're good at selling, but actually could improve one of those three areas. So do you need to work on leads, your selling ability, physical or um, human, or improving your product or service? The price point, that's another part of your product or service that could increase the sales. Um, So let me know which ones you're good at and which ones you need to improve. So it's very easy to get distracted doing more of um, what you're already good at um, or not working on what you're not good at and, and spending too much of your time in an area that doesn't give you good return on time invested. Um, I would, I would hazard a guess that most people, um, when they're selling, when they run their own business, even if they don't really like selling, they're prepared to give it a go. They're gonna, they're gonna, um, crack on, aren't they? You're gonna sell, um, because you believe in the product and it's your business. And even if you're uncomfortable, you're going to do it because you've got, you got to put, put, um, food on the table. Um, but most people, I think, don't focus enough on generating more leads. Now, when you get to a certain size in business, um, so I have certainly seen this in my company in the last couple of years. Um, we've been quite wasteful where we've generated a lot of leads. But even with 15 sales staff, we maybe haven't been able to um, call those leads quick enough um, get through to those leads by you know, calling to them in the right, um, at the right time frame on the right phone. Um, you know, like maybe being persistent, being able to call more than once. Um, so if you've got a business already that's got good sales function, how can you use automated dialing to get through quicker? Um, how can you, you know, use um, good um, voicemail scripts so that you can actually get people to respond to your voicemails quicker? How can you get your sales team up from 50 calls a day to 80 calls a day? So sometimes you've actually got the volume, you just haven't got the efficiency. All right. So sales and marketing and how they interact. So marketing is getting people in the shop and sales is when they're in the shop selling them the product and services you have in the shop. Now, both are important, but without people in the shop, you can't sell anything in the shop. So, um, you know, marketing and generating leads can actually um, supersede sales. If you have a good lead generation system, a good funnel, good conversion environments online and offline in the marketing capacity, you reduce the friction for people to buy, um, then you don't have to do the selling. I sell now about 200,000 books a year, give or take, which I know is not millions a year like Jordan Peterson but you know compared to me five years ago when I might have sold I don't know 20,000 a year or something like that 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 feels pretty good now I wrote those books many years ago or months ago if it was starting to get perfect later and Amazon have a great sales conversion environment and I don't have to get involved in the selling so you can automate the selling um, but you always want to monitor and tweak those conversion environments to make sure there's no friction now I could make three or four times my money Selling my books um, on my own websites um, or personally or at events rather than to Amazon. And I could make more money not having a publisher and self-publishing. But having a publisher and having Amazon get me global reach. um, And whilst I might make one third of the money I do if I'm self-publishing and not using Amazon, I might sell one tenth of the amount. So I would rather leverage them and have them as the conversion environment. So I've got scalability. Then those books give good value. Then people find my products and services below that, which Amazon and my publisher don't get a cut off and they don't ask either. And if they did, I would probably say no. Um, so that is like a, a marketing process that creates a sales environment. Now, if you have really sales phobia, you just don't like selling or you want to automate your sales function, that's a great way to do it. But it, of course, it can take time to build and you've got to test things um really what marketing should do is generate the leads for sales to convert and close um i got a tom ford suit for my wedding and i went to tom ford and uh, which is in knightsbridge and i went just to get a suit and i ended up buying an extra a shirt which apparently i needed after the ceremony but for the evening that was an extra 500 quid um uh, apparently i needed um an extra waistcoat that was another thousand quid um i needed of course a pair of shoes because ones i had didn't match they were Fifteen hundred quid. And they turned what I thought might be three or four grand into ten grand. Um, So they were good at selling, cross selling, upselling. You know, once I'm in the shop, I have to go in the shop for them to be able to sell sell to me. So sales and marketing are like hand in glove. Uh, And those two functions serve each other. Um, You can then market to existing clients to sell more. So embrace both of them. Okay, fine. So what is your real problem? Is it sales or is it marketing? So why don't you just leave a comment in the thread? Um, Is sales or marketing your biggest function? Is it volume of leads, quality of leads? Or is it you've got the volume and the quality, but you haven't got the conversion and you've got those phobias of selling or you've got sales team that aren't very efficient and effective? They're not closing, um, you know, the sales, you're spending a lot of money on marketing, but not getting the return. Because uh, I think it's wise for you to understand where your problem is. Because, funnily enough, in business, often we just work really hard, you dig, dig, dig with our head down and our ass up, not actually looking where we're going. Or if you're following me from America, our, our ass up. Um, so, what is your real problem? Is it selling or is it marketing? Now, I do loads of content on marketing. I'll probably do a future online module on marketing in this online training program. But today, it's all about selling. Okay. So maybe scaling is your problem. Maybe you're okay with selling, but you haven't got enough clients. You're not making enough money. Um, You're not charging enough. So could you up your prices? If you up your prices, you'll probably reduce the quality of bad clients and increase the quality of good clients. Um, You'll probably qualify out the kind of clients that would take up a lot of time and, and cost a lot more on your overhead. If you're still stuck in your business doing the selling yourself, whether it's on the phone um, you know, or consultative face to face, well, that could be a good use of time while you're small. As you grow to maybe a few hundred grand a year plus, if you're still do the sel- doing the selling, you can't do the vision, the brand, the strategy, the growth, the partnerships. Um, so as soon as you could hire a good salesperson, that's going to be a great return on investment. People worry that hiring is... You know, a risk or a cost, an overhead. Um, but the great thing about hiring salespeople is there's virtually no risk, because as long as you make sure that they're, they're targeted, say, two and a half times their salary in income, then they're free. Uh, and if they don't hit that, it's pretty clear to see. And then they're not meeting their basic job criteria, their basic key result area. And then, of course, you can ask them to move on if it's not working. Um, of course, if you don't like selling, which a lot of people don't, and a lot of business owners don't, they love creating the product, they love talking to the clients, you know, they're like, they're like the front of house, the, 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 but, but actually they, have a, they just don't really like selling fundamentally, then leverage and outsource it to someone else, partner with someone else. Um, Because then you can liberate yourself to do the thing that's best for you. Now, if you love selling, you have the opposite problem, and that is you'll probably stay in sales too long, um, and that will hinder the growth of your business. Because you should be training other salespeople. So you sell yourself first. You write your own sales module, um, model, and manual based on you being good at selling, and then you hire someone as uh, a salesperson you become the sales manager you do like less selling than them really only train them and do bits and bobs of your best clients hand it over to them get another salesperson another salesperson you grow the sales team and then you exit as a, sale ma- a sales manager you bring someone in or you hire someone up to be the sales manager and then you're a proper business owner um, mm-hmm. okay so maybe scaling is your problem in selling um, if you have um, a, a sales ability issue or a fear or a mindset issue of selling stay tuned because I'm going to talk about that a little bit in uh, maybe 10 minutes or so. Um, We all think we've got the best product in the world. I speak to people Um, who tell me that their product or their course is better than everyone else's, and everyone says that, and we can be a bit blind and myopic to that. Of course, it's good to think that, and if you think your product's shit, then there's obviously a problem. But don't be so blind just assuming that your product and service is the best, and it doesn't need improvement, and it's amazing, and it will sell itself, because it can always be improved, and it doesn't sell itself. You've got to sell it. So always constantly look to improve, iterate, release a new version, take feedback. Um, and add extra bonuses, create extra value, tweak the value proposition, look at the parts of your product and service that people like and don't like, fix the parts they don't or take them out, add the parts in that they do and continually, continually evolve and improve your product. Um, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm on an iPhone X here and, and actually the new model is the iPhone X something. There must have been eight different variations and iterations and new releases of the iPhone that's come out because they're constantly improving them. If they didn't, they'd get left behind. Um, And each time you improve the quality of your product, you should do more sales. Now, I don't like the saying um, the product sells itself because it doesn't. You've got to sell it. But the better it is, the easier it is to sell. And that is definitely an undeniable truth. So maybe you just need a better quality product or service or it's just time to freshen it up. And when you freshen up your product and service, you've got more things to market on it. You know, you've got more bonuses to add. You can go back to the market and say, hey, look, it's new. It's improved, which is a new campaign. They can't see the slides. Um, I'll let you play with that, Josh, while I'm talking um so yeah you know never be too um confident or lazy or never assume that your product is as good as it could be so next then on all things sales related and that is my wealth formula so in my book money i wrote a formula for wealth which You know, I've, of course, modeled on greats before me, but this this actual full formula is unique to me. Um, And I think that this supersedes money, selling, wealth, scaling. And I think if you know this formula, um, it will help you grow your business, sell more products and services. And that is my formula for wealth. And that is wealth equals value plus fair exchange times leverage. There's a typo on the slide there. It says wealth plus. Value so wealth equals value plus fair exchange times leverage. So value is if you or if your product or service has high value, it should sell well. Um, And you know it it can actually not sell well if it has good value if it is over or underpriced, and that's the fair exchange. So fair exchange is is there a good price which the client deems to be good value, uh, but not too cheap because sometimes if they if they think it's too cheap, you know um, what is the saying? If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck. It's a duck. So if it's too cheap, you can actually undersell um, your product. If it's too expensive, it can be deemed to be a ripoff or not worth it. So fair exchange is where you get fair margin, you make fair profit. Um, You've got sustainability and scalability. But also the fee that you charge is perceived to be at the sweet spot for the client, i.e. that balance between good value and high enough to be deemed to be valuable so that's value and fair exchange and then leverage times leverage leverage is how many customers clients followers fans how many referrals you're making how many volume of sales you're doing what countries you're in so leverage is its scalability you could have amazing value the sweet spot price and three clients and you're not going to grow your business you could have terrible value a good price, and lots of leverage. And actually, you just scale an awful product, which will come back to bite you. Or you could have great value, but an unfair exchange, too low, too high. If it's too low, you may end up going bust, or you can't sustain a fair profit margin. If it's too high, they may buy it, but then they may want refunds, or they may not buy it because it's too high. Um, So what you don't want to do is leverage a problem. You don't want to leverage unfair value or unfair exchange. So make sure you've got great value, fair exchange, And then scale that out through leverage and you've got a great sustainable business and sales strategy. Okay, now, next, then, I'm going to talk you through the eight stages of selling. Um, So I think this is really going to help you sell better. Also, good news is if you don't really love selling, you're a little bit uncomfortable, you're not pushy, then this will really help you because it's very elegant and um, it's um, it's gentle, but without being soft. Um, I, I'm, you know, like I don't tr- want to make excuses here for people. You can't be soft in selling. You can be elegant. You can be eloquent. You can be uh, gently persistent. You can't be soft. All right. Great. So stage one is to connect. And that is to find the client, you know, to get the attention that is to engage with them, whether it's online or on the phone. It is an introduction or an introduction. as I've written on my slides. Um, So stage one is finding the client and getting the awareness of you and them through attention, engagement and some kind of introduction. Sounds obvious, but, you know, a lot of times you just don't have enough of that. Stage two, then, is the building of the rapport. And that is the connection. That's the common ground. That's the rapport. That's the, um, you know, we starting to like each other. We like the look of you as a business person or as a salesperson. Um, It looks like there's a possible fit. Now that has to come from you. You could do that remotely by doing lots of podcasts and writing books and doing live feeds and giving lots of value so that when people do come and engage, you know, as a lead for your possible um, services, they've already built 10, 20, 30 hours worth of your content um, in the form of goodwill. Um, so the more you can do that remotely, or the more you can do that before you're face to face, the better. But of course, if you haven't done that much in your face to face, you might want to do that um, by taking them around the office and, um, you know, getting them to sit with some of the team and, you know, maybe doing a bit of the wrap off before you go into the close if you're doing face to face. Okay, Stage three then is establishing the need. What's the problem they have? What's the pain they have? What's the desire uh, that they have? What, what do they want solving? That is stage three. Um, and Most people don't do this stage because they just go deep into, um, I want to sell you my stuff uh, and therefore don't really care about your problems, pains or needs or desires. Therefore, I'm selling you something you probably don't want or I'm not honoring or respecting you um, as a client. So you always do that first. Uh, Now, the great thing about establishing the need is if you do it well, your clients or your prospects will simply tell you what they need to be sold and then you can sell it back. And so stage four is clarifying and restating that need. So you confirm the need that they've said, the problem that they've got, the solution that they desire, um, and you restate it for clarity. One, so that you um, make sure that you get it right, because often you hear it wrong or you misinterpret it and then two you're almost showing them back what they want even though when they're telling you their need they don't know that that's what they want um, and we're all going to buy what we want you know everyone hates being sold to but everyone loves to buy and um, we all like being uh, we all like buying things products, services or just you know material items that we really want um, who doesn't even people who don't like shopping like that. Stage five then is to create the value. Now you might have an off the shelf product, but you still establish the need and restate the need. And then you offer them your off the shelf product and you make it and package it in such a way that it looks as close to what they want as possible. Um, ideally in the modern world, you can create something a bit more bespoke um, and you can create a product or a solution to tailored to them in the form of bonuses or in the form of the delivery mechanism, whether it's online or face to face, um, you know, or the units that they want and the bulk discounts that they want. Uh, Stage six, then, is to close. Now, this is a bit that all the uh, wimpy or soft or cuddly or fluffy people struggle with you've got to make the sale you've got to ask for the money you've got to take the money you've got to chase the money if they haven't paid you've got to you know invoice them chase up the invoice you've got to put a deadline in it on it you've got to get the money in the bank you've got to do the direct debit you've got to get the payment plan sorted sounds obvious but so many people are poor on that or they've agreed the deal then they assume the client's just going to pay the money instead of chasing for the money as soon as you can you should have a department or a person that chases the money so you don't have to have that emotional energy Um, but that's a bit that a lot of people miss, especially the spiritualists, especially, especially the consultants and the, you know, the nutritionists and and all the, you know, and the people who really care. There's nothing wrong with caring. It's great to care, but, um, you can't care as a business if you don't make money because you don't have a business. You have a hobby. Um, okay. Stage seven then is to deliver the product or service. Now, of course, that's, um, Should be obvious, but um, you've got to do that now. And and, and now it's time for you to step up. Uh, And ideally, you slightly over deliver um, on the product or service and and, and, um, exceed their expectations. uh, But you've got to make sure you do that well. And of course, there are people out there who don't do that well. They talk a good game, but then they don't deliver. You've got to do that well. Point where you're looking. Um, uh, It goes without saying probably for another module. Um, And then stage eight is the bit that a lot of people miss as well, which is asking for referrals. So once you've delivered and you've got the client in their peak state, i.e. when your client is at their happiest. Um, So if you source properties, it might be when they exchange. You know, if you do a speaker course for them, it might be when they've done their first speaking gig and they've just, you know, had a really good sale or got their first keynote speaking fee. Then immediately say, look, it's great. Thanks for letting me know. Well done on your success. Do you know three people that might be interested in the product or service that I've just offered to you? So three people you can connect to me with that I could help just like you. Now, your clients are going to know people just like them. Um, so that's likely possible. The key to this is one, asking, which most people don't. And two, in doing it in their peak state, you know, not when they're complaining or after their complaint um, or not too early when you haven't delivered the product or service yet. You've got to work out that cycle of peak state. All right. So let me summarise the eight stages of selling then. Connect with attention, engagement and an introduction. Building rapport through connection and common ground. Three, establishing the need, which is the problem, the pain, the desire. Four is restating the exact problem, pain, desire and need so you understand it, they understand it so you can feed it back to them. Uh, Number five is to create the value with the product or service or offer or make it bespoke if you can solve the problem quickly with least amount of friction. Uh, Stage six is to close, which is to price it, to make the sale and take the money and chase the money and get the deal done. Stage seven is to deliver and ideally slightly over deliver. And the reason I say slightly and not dramatically over deliver, because if you dramatically over deliver, your prices should probably be higher. Um, And it might make it difficult to deliver next time on that big expectation or difficult to sustain. Um, Of course, the the more you can over deliver, the better. But it's got to be sustainable. Um, I know loads of people who are like, oh, well, I'm just going to offer this really cheap and I'm going to massively over deliver. And they can't sustain their business. And then stage eight at the peak state is asking for the referrals. All right, great. So let's carry on. Hopefully you're finding this useful. I'm trying not to speak too fast, even though that's kind of what I do. Let me know where you're from. Let me know what your business model is. Okay, so next part then in all things selling and sales is the seven to 10 hour rule. Um, So there's a big difference between selling and processing orders. Processing orders is someone who wants to give you money because they've already been pre-qualified. They've got the desire. Their problems have been potentially solved, i.e. the product looks like it's going to solve their problems um, and they're ready to buy. Now, if your marketing can create those leads that are ready to buy then all you're doing is processing orders. And that's a good thing, by the way, um, because it reduces the friction and you having to do the hard selling. Now, the best way you can turn selling into processing um, is by building the seven to 10 hours into your funnel or into the client journey before the pitch which is them listening to podcasts of yours, watching live feed videos, watching YouTube videos. Maybe you're giving them some a lot of content up front, some material to read, some clients to speak to. If you can do all of that before the actual sale, then you're likely to increase the conversion and reduce the friction. This is why I do loads of podcasts, loads of live videos, loads of content, lots of free content, um, now, of course, I do it because I like it. I, I, you know, there are other reasons I do. But one of the reasons is, um, is I want to build some goodwill with you. I want you to trust me, to know me, to like me wherever you are. And if you do engage in my products and services, I want you to be already convinced. So it takes me the minimum amount of time and there's less sort of negotiation between us. Um, and, and also, I want you to have trust in me. I want you to not be sceptical. Um, and yeah, I just want to make it an easy, pleasant journey for us all. Uh, and also, I know you're not going to buy stuff off me if you, haven't, um, you don't know what I do and how I can help you, etc. So turning sales into processing orders is a great strategy for growing your business and reducing the friction and reducing the complaints and not having to do the hard selling, which, of course, is going to have some attrition. Okay, next, then, is most people are concentrating on new customer acquisition um, when they could be selling to their clients. Now, we had a year about five years ago where new customer acquisition for us got hard for the first time. So we focused on selling to existing clients um, and not just selling them stuff. But actually, what's the next level for you? What's your new problem now that you've done these courses with us and you know, you've know you got these results? What's your new problem? How can we help you? And it was overwhelm or procrastination or wanted to, do, to, to be a public speaker or wanted to package deals when they'd bought properties. So we created new products and services for them. And they were significantly easier to sell because they'd already had the goodwill and the results from us. A new customer might, co- customer might cost you. Well, for me, a new customer can cost three or four hundred pounds to acquire. Um, And when my products are 1,500 quid plus, you know, it's quite a lot of the margin, if you think 20% margin. Um, So sometimes I'm not even making on the front end on the first purchase of a client. Whereas if I can sell to an existing client, um, it costs me zero, maybe, you know, a fraction of the overhead. Um, So, you know, don't just be hell-bent on sourcing new customers try to sell to existing customers or ask existing customers for referrals. And then on the opposite side of that, there are these mom and pop businesses, these small businesses that seem to wear like a badge of honour and be proud. Well, I never have to do any marketing. I just get referrals. Well, you've got to do the opposite. You should scale up and start acquiring new customers because you do want a few referrals or even more um, customers through a good marketing machine. OK, so why should you fear selling? This now is for the people who worry about selling, who don't like putting themselves out there, who've got fear of being trolled or criticised or um, fear of, you know, pushing people or encroaching on their time or being judged or, you know, all, the, all those kind of things. Why should you fear um, selling? Because if you have a good product or service, then selling is caring. If you have a product or service that the world needs, I believe my podcast, my books, my courses, the world needs. I believe the seven billion people on the planet that need my education. Um, and um, if I don't believe that, I shouldn't be selling it. Uh, And if I do believe that, then that's caring, uh, and therefore selling is caring. So I actually believe that with good products and services, selling is caring. And it actually can be deemed as selfish if you're not putting your products and services out there. So you shouldn't fear caring. So just in your mind, see that selling is caring, uh, which it is, which good selling is. And if you follow my eight-step sales system, then it's not pushy, it's not hard. A lot of people love being sold to, even though you think they don't. Um, A lot of people want to buy, remember, so you assume they don't like being sold to, but they do. We're looking for our problems to be solved. So when you solve the problems, you're actually helping people. So just change your mindset around what selling is. Um, You're going to take rejection. By the way, the number of rejections is directly linked to um, the specific needs that your product solves. I.e., if it doesn't solve the needs and requirements of the client you will get that in the form of rejections, one, two, or many. If it exactly solves the needs of the clients, the timing, the pricing, the value proposition, then there will be minimal or zero rejection. So if you're getting rejected a lot, the product is wrong, the objections are there to give you feedback. They're great feedback to tell you that something is misaligned between you and the client and the offer and the need. Um, So yeah, you shouldn't fear caring. Now, if you seek feedback, You look to solve complaints, you look to learn from your clients specific needs, and you regularly update this into your products and services, then the friction to sell will reduce Um, and you'll be processing orders rather than selling. So just continually look to seek feedback, actually ask for issues uh, and and ask for things that aren't good with your company so you can solve it. I'd rather know first than it become a problem and and, and rot away there and people complain and tell other people. Um, And if you feed constantly feedback Solving complaints, you know, when your clients' needs change, when the market changes, you update your products and services. Um, then you are just basically um, growing an ever-improving sales machine and sustainable, scalable business. This is an uh, an underrated skill to simply ask your clients regularly what they want and need, and what their problems are, and what's what could be improved about your service. What should you start? What should you stop? What should you keep? Uh, and, and then just iterating that, not just into the product, but into the marketing collateral, into the pitch. Um, and you just get better at literally putting a mirror in front of a client and saying, hey, look, this is what you want. And they go, yeah, that's exactly what I want, because they told you because you cared to find out. OK, now um, your client case studies, the best case studies of all your clients, the results will sell way better than you ever could. So instead of just waiting for testimonials to come in and um, you know, being grateful for them, actually seek them. So once a month, reach out to all your clients and say, how are you doing? Is there anything I can help you with? Have you got any um, issues I could fix? But also, have you got any um, results that you'd like to share? Now, you may get some complaints, fix them, change your product, improve it, improve the sale. But you'll also get, yeah, I just bought a property um, or yeah, I just did a deal and made 30 grand or something like that um, and continually seek them out. And then when they let you know about these testimonials, ask them to articulate in their own words um, what they achieved and how you helped. Get some proof from them of that um, and then use that in your marketing collateral to go and sell more of your products and services. That will sell way better than you ever could, no matter how good you are at selling. But you have to chase them out. They're not just going to fall on your lap. And then finally, um, in terms of my scripted content, um, are you being inefficient with your time and selling one to one? And could you scale that and sell one to many? Could you start doing public speaking and sell on stages? Could you do, you know, um, streaming courses online where you could go one to a thousand or one to a hundred thousand? Could you do podcasts and go one to many into 200 countries? Could you do webinars and do one to a thousand instead of one to one? Could you do YouTube videos, which are always on YouTube, which might get a thousand or ten thousand or more views? Could you do Facebook lives like I'm doing right now, you know, which could then be saved and and, and watched over and over and boosted and shared and, you know, maybe get five, ten, twenty thousand views? Um, so try and leverage your time more. And where, where you're having to sell one to one, at the very least, record it on a Zoom H1 or some kind of device like we are here for my uh, podcast. This will be a podcast episode as well. So you can leverage your time, maximize your time and go from one to one to one to many. And this can and you can also your sales pitches can be recorded for tra- training for your sales team and your marketing team so that they, they can then take it over. Boom. Wow. We got a lot in, in a fairly short period of time. Thanks for tuning in on the live. I'm now going to do a Q&A actually live with the people on the six-month business coaching program. I'm not going to extend that service to you uh, on the live video. So thanks for tuning in. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Um, Thanks a lot. If you think there's people out there that... um, aren't selling, should be selling, could be selling and you care about them, please do share this video with them because I think that there's nothing wrong with selling if it's done well. I would like to get that message out there and get rid of people's fears and phobias around selling. Selling is caring if it's done well. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.